a, a short thing to insert here from our first show sponsor, uh, who who heard our cry of it's summer cry and it's in the hot wilderness in in this room <laughs> and has provided for us a fan. <laughs> and so, Mrs. Andy's mom, thank you so much for the fan. We, uh, we also are, we have a correction to make, and, and along with the fan, also comes courtesy a, a of note, my mom, <laughs> which is that Bach didn't have seventeen wives. Apparently. My, yeah, so at, at one point we talked in passing <laughs> about what? the fact that Bach required several wives to pump out twenty children. I believe I said he had four wives. It turns out he in fact had two wives. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, my. Yeah. Music major parents made sure to, especially my mother, made sure to inform me of this fact. <laughs> and now we are humbly begging your your forgiveness for this factual <laughs> error. Which means if you ever want us to correct the record on any, anything, send us a fan. <laughs> <laughs> it will help cool us off as if we needed water. Like the Israelites need again. Like they need water again, and there's no more sweet trees around. <laughs> Which it's... Some people have pointed out it's a little bit, I don't know if obnoxious is the right thing, although I do like using that word of God, but God keeps leading them to places with bad water or no water. Yes. like Because he's in front of them as like a pillar of cloud and fire. So he's like, yeah, we're going to stop here. And the Israelites stop and make camp. And like, where's the water? And he's like, what water? Who said, who said anything <laughs> about water? I just picked this campground. So yeah, they start grumbling because there's no water. So they, uh, they, they, they get grumpy. They go to Moses and say, why is there no water? And then Moses said, why are you fighting with God? Which is like, I, 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 anytime I send any of my four children to talk to any of my other four children, they love going on that mission because they are carrying my authority. <laughs> they don't carry my authority well or um, mm. respectfully. But they and do carry it a, with zest. There's a, yes. there's a sermon illustration I, in there. I will, I will send my children. I'll say, go find your brother and tell him to come in. Ask, ask him to come <laughs> inside because uh, it's time for dinner. Respectfully, son, because I have watched them go out there and say, yeah, you have to come inside now. Like, wait. <laughs> so it's like, like they, they are, they're showing up with a missive from me. And so they, they know that if like the person that's receiving the instruction does not obey that they can come back and say they didn't listen to you (laughs) (laughs) yeah but so like they're they're like they they go up and they start getting angry at moses like why are you why are you picking a fight with god you know and Mm. and and so moses goes he says hey it's it's this we're thirsty i don't there's no water it's like fun little detail thing Moses cries out to God as a result of the Israelites. Yes. Which is the same thing that the Israelites did as a result of the Egyptians, which led to all the plagues. Yes. (laughs) And Moses is just like, what is wrong with these people? (laughs) Yes. Uh, I I often remark that throughout the the Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Moses must have earned the flattest nose in the history of humanity for the number of times that he falls on his face on behalf of these people. Yeah. Uh, he, he starts early, he goes often straight to his face to say, please don't kill him. <laughs> because I know what I, I know. Is that God says, take the elders with you, mm. take your staff, and go smack the rock over there at Horeb. And so he goes and smacks the rock at Horeb, and there's enough water for a million plus people to drink water. Yeah. Mm. Which, fun detail, Horeb is Mount Sinai, probably. 
Yes. So we're we're pretty close to the end of our journey at this point. Yes. Because the whole point was, mm. once you've brought the Israelites out of Egypt, you can come back to this mountain and worship me here. So we're we're getting there. Yep. Mm. And, uh, and Israel is ungrateful and and you know obnoxious little snots. But to be fair, we don't have any indication so far that they're like worshiping other gods yet. Yeah, and, and you, <laughs> yeah. you know what happens when you take a, a bunch of ground that didn't have any water and suddenly fill it with water? Do you know what happens to the desirability of that, that location? It depends on if you like mud. What? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but if it's like... Well, let's, let's just imagine that, that someone's standing by and a place that only had dirt now has a lot of water. Do you, do you know what happens to like the desirability of that location? It, it, it becomes it becomes higher desirability. Now it is. You think somebody's going to come try to take this land? It's from not them? explicit <laughs> that that's why someone decided to come beef with the with uh, with Israel, but it's possible. It is possible that the reason that Amalek came and decided to fight with Israel at this place that starts with an R and has lots of syllables, yeah. <laughs> um, that that they came to fight to fight with them there is that suddenly they're standing on land that kind of belonged to them, but who cares? It's a bunch of hot, dry rocks. And now it is full of water, and it's valuable to us. And so I mean, that might be why. Who knows? But yeah. the point is, again, holy imagination. The, mm. the Bible is again silent on all these details. We wish we had information about. It just says then the Amalekites came out and fought them. And you're like, well, what? Where did these guys come from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, good, good, good. I was, it's, uh, I was uh, just, the, I was just wondering when the Amalekites were going to come fight. It, it's their first encounter with someone whose name ends with it. It's true. Mm. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more. There's going to be a lot. Mosquito bites, uh, (laughs) which I'm currently trying to not scratch on my leg. Uh, um, Yeah, so they go out and and fight. And Mm. uh, thus is born the the sure deodorant battle doctrine, which is as long as Moses holds his hands up in the air, Israel wins. When his arms start to go down, because holding your arms with a staff over your head... Is tiring. <laughs> it muscle failure. shoulder muscles. There you go. Moses it starts going jacked. away. <laughs> yeah, mo- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then Did the Amalekites start move? winning because Moses' hands are down. Yes. So they do the most Jewish like game the system thing <laughs> in the history. <laughs> like th- th- remember when we were in Genesis and we were talking about how especially ancient Near Eastern culture like being clever and gaming the system is itself a virtue. Yes. They are virtuing right here. Yes. That, <laughs> yes. They're like, hey, you know what? As long as his arms are upright, right? Is it, does it have to be his own? Like, just muscles have to hold it up, right? I didn't see a rule that says that. Yeah, there's nothing in, like, when he came back to tell us about this, it was just like his hands just have to be up, right? <laughs> right, right. So he could sit down, right? right. Yeah. So they get him a seat, <laughs> and two other guys hold his arms up <laughs> so that his arms will remain up, and they'll keep winning. Now, to be fair, <laughs> that's going to get tiresome, too. It will. I mean, holding up a dude's arms is still weight that you're holding up. But like they would, they would probably trade with him. He's like, okay, guys, I'll take my own arms for a while. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they eventually win. Yes, right, right. right. <laughs> so I'm going to start reading from like verse 12 here in chapter yeah. 17. Uh, but Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat <laughs> on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands. H U R Hur, by the yes. way, uh, one on one side and one on the other. Then his hands were steady until the sunset. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is My Banner. And he said, The Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. 
there's so much to go into there in terms of just like Joshua and the army has to go out and fight. Yes. Joshua and the army are credited with the victory. Yes. They only win when the emblem of God is being important here. But for some reason, the Bible has this really irritating habit of not letting you get away with one or the other of those. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. uh-huh. like we've, I've, I've complained about this before. Like later on when Joshua's conquering the promised land, Joshua will come up with the idea to march overnight. Yes. To surprise somebody. And he'll organize the troops and he'll call them up and he'll motivate them to march overnight. They'll get in position. They're super hidden. Nobody could possibly see them. The other army will march out. They'll jump on top of them and slay them all because they're so surprised. And the conclusion will be, and so God delivered them. And you're like, Hmm. one would have thought Joshua had something to do with it too. (laughs) The Bible just does not let you take one or the other. It keeps punching you in the face with both. And it's kind of irritating (laughs) to our cute little like simplistic ideas of how God works. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. 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 So um, <clears throat> so he builds an altar called the Lord is my banner, and um, <laughs> and then because hands were lifted up for the throne of God. <laughs> why does why, why are those two things related? Yeah. And so <laughs> a saying a hand so, upon the throne okay. of the Lord. <laughs> <sighs> and so okay, like I I know that this man had his name first before the South of America south of the United States of America existed, but Jethro. Shows up. And yes. Je- I, I can't. Cannot... Well, before, we, before we move on, I want to just recap oh. what's happened here. Yes. So we were talking last time at the very end. At the end, we were talking about how the Spirit of God or the wind of God blew over the waters and dry land appeared and the Israelites were born. And you were like, wait a second, I could have sworn I've heard this story before. Yes. <laughs> and which I, I realized when I was thinking about that, that we never actually explicitly said the reason that makes so much sense is because the word for wind that blows and the wind word for spirit are the same word. Mm-hmm. Numa. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. In Hebrew too. And so like, well, we were both like, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I just realized we never actually said that out loud. No, anyway. Okay. So what happens right after the basically Israel creation story, they have the, what, where were we? We were on. Oh yeah. We have the time where, uh, the people didn't trust God. This is the b- bitter water. And then God gives Moses knowledge of a tree that they can toss in to make the bad thing good. And you're like, wait a second. I could have sworn I've seen the words knowledge tree good and bad before. Oh. And it was somehow related <laughs> to that creation story. I could, I, I'm pretty sure this is Johnny. And then you're like, what's the next thing that happens? Oh, well, they get a chance to see if they're going to trust God in something that involves food. And you're like, hmm. Huh. And then if you're going to follow my instructions. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. If you're going to follow the instructions and the thing that has to do with food. Hmm. And you're like, Hmm. Okay. And then what's? And then you have like, well, wait, tell me, like, where are we now? Well, now we're at the place where water is gushing out of the place where God meets man and serving to like give life to everybody. I'm like, wait. Hmm. Now, this, now this, at this point, you're getting into like minute details, but like, what was the center of Eden? Oh, oh, it was the river that comes out and waters like the whole earth, and that's where life comes from. You're like, oh, the river of life. Hmm. Yeah, you're like oh, the river hmm. of life. That's right. <laughs> and then what are you gonna do? Oh, you're gonna fight. The Amalekites, well, so there are two different ways you could take this. You could take this as like, oh, what's the next thing that happens? You fight your brothers because the Amalekites are descended from Esau. Or you could, it's like, but at the same time, in the conquest narratives in Canaan, the Amalekites are associated with the inhabitants of the land, Uh which are usually associated with the giants. Yes. And so a a slightly more tangential, I I like it because it's super cool, but a little bit like flimsier connection is that now the Israelites are driving out the giants. Got it. Okay. It's like, and so they they are doing Noah's flood. Like now God is working through the Israelites. The Israelites oh, are God's okay, instrument to clean up all this mess. 
because remember he promised he's not going to flood the world anymore. Yes. It's like, which regardless of whether you take the, Am- Am- the Amalekites associated with giants part, like that is clearly what is going on here, where yeah. Israel is becoming God's instrument to reclaim reclaim the world. Mm. Do you know what you so you're like, <laughs> this is another one of those things where I'm just like, what? You, How many times have I read this stupid passage? You know what we need to do? Drink heavily. Bring <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> along with that. Uh, what we need to do is uh, when we, like when it's when it's time to send the spies out again. When it's time yes. To send, to, send, uh, to send the spies out to see the giant people. We need to have Jonathan back in here again because he has done so much study on what are the giants and like mm. are they like who are the Nephilim and all those things. Like uh, ooh, yeah, he yeah, has yeah. such a fascinating take on it that I I, I want to get it onto a podcast because he's heard it on podcasts before and he's studied yes. it and he's like. Yes. And so, uh, I, but I want I want to get it out there again, just to make people go, what? <laughs> because and it'll be another explicit episode because the way that they made the Nephilim was, uh, the way he heard about it is, <laughs> so. Um, but in any case, we can't get to Jethro today. Uh, we uh, um, we are we are run out of time. But, but um, we're going to talk about the world's best father-in-law. We are going to talk about the world's best, <laughs> which we ended the last episode like that, and we're going to end it again because his best line. Which is the best line out of every father-in-law ever, which is, the thing you're doing is not good. What are you doing? <laughs> <That's dumb>. <laughs> <laughs> which brand of stupid are you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which is like, that's the, his voice because his name is Jethro. But, but, uh, you're not wrong. But Isaac, the intern, thank you for joining us here oh, in, yeah. the, in the costume closet. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, uh, until next time, this is the Unimposters Podcast. I'm Damien. I'm not a poster. Yeah. And, and I'm Isaac, the intern. Nice. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.